It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Hello, Bengals fans. Today, it's just me. James is enjoying some time with his family, and I'm here again for a weekend mailbag. Before we get there, though, some bits of news from the NFL to update you on. One of those bits of news I find particularly interesting as it directly impacts the Bengals in some ways. On top of that, we have Brian Callahan talking to Bengals.com about how install has gone so far what he's picked up on from Joe Burrow, giving some hints about what kind of offense we can expect from the Cincinnati Bengals in 2020. We'll get into that in the first part of the show. Before we dive into your mailbag questions, stay tuned for that in parts two and three. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'll give you some more details about rockauto.com later on in the show, but let's get started with these bits of NFL news and what Brian Callahan had to say about how install has gone so far. Let's start with the NFL-wide news. There will be no supplementary draft in the 2020 season. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network reports that the NFL on July 1st informed clubs there will be no supplemental draft this year, And the NFL always has the option to opt out. Under the collective bargaining agreement, the NFL may elect to hold a supplementary draft each year, and typically they do. According to Pelissero, the matter was discussed with the NFL Management Council Executive Committee, and in light of current conditions, the decision was made to not have a supplemental draft this year. Now, what does that mean for the Bengals? Well, the supplemental draft order is a little bit different from the regular draft order. Teams that are picking in the top third of the NFL draft essentially go into a lottery, and then the supplemental draft order is determined by weighted lottery. So the Bengals did have pretty good odds of getting a high supplemental draft priority. Then teams go through and kind of blind bid on players per round. They say, I'll spend a third round pick on, for example, Ahmad Brooks, one of the notable players the Bengals have acquired in the supplemental draft. Then if no other team in that same round has bid a pick higher than the Bengals in this case, that team will be awarded the pick. This year, there will be no supplemental draft, and players whose eligibility changed and normally would have been allowed to enter the draft, they won't be free agents. According to Pelissero's report, they will be eligible for the 2021 draft instead. So if there are players who are now academically ineligible to play who would have normally come in, to the supplemental draft. Instead, they will be waiting until the 2021 draft. 
On top of that, you've probably heard that the NFL is going to a two-game preseason, but the NFLPA hasn't signed off yet, and so while it's expected, it has not yet been formalized with some in the NFL Players Association Union thinking that it doesn't make sense to do any preseason games at all. Shifting gears away from the national NFL news, Brian Callahan spoke with Bengals.com today. He talked to Jeff Hodgson, the longtime Bengals beat writer. And man, Brian Callahan is just a very forthright and insightful coach to read his quotes. Hobson asked him how much of the offense from LSU came with Joe Burrow to Cincinnati. And he talks about the background that Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan have. He said that their background is essentially the Sean Payton West Coast system and that the Saints do some good things. They've studied other teams across the league. They've studied all the effective offenses in the league, as all teams do. It's a copycat league. But Callahan and Taylor both come from a West Coast system. Specifically, they have a lot of roots in the Sean Payton system. And you know who else has roots in the Sean Payton system is obviously Joe Brady, the now Carolina offensive coordinator, former passing game coordinator at LSU, who some have said is responsible for Joe Burrow's breakout season. Of course, we at the Lockdown Bengals podcast don't buy it and think that the quarterback has a much bigger impact than an offensive coordinator might, but obviously there was a nice marriage there. They studied a lot of things at LSU, though, said Callahan, and if the quarterback's comfortable, everyone's comfortable. They haven't had a chance to run through things, so it's hard to know what Burrow doesn't like because he hasn't done it physically yet. Once they get in there and get to do those physical reps, they might get a chance to get that feedback from Joe Burrow where he can say, I'm not high on this play. And Callahan said, okay, then neither are we if our quarterback isn't comfortable. Hobson also talked about the 49ers and the Chiefs, the Super Bowl teams who both have similar West Coast roots, but very different employments of those systems where you have a dynamic quarterback in Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City and a dynamic running game and strong defense in San Francisco. Both of those systems obviously share similarities in their core concepts and were employed differently based on their personnel. Callahan says they're hoping to do the same thing with Burrow. They have a specific set of tools with Joe Burrow, A.J. Green, John Ross, and Tyler Boyd. Obviously, those guys don't necessarily play like Tyreek Hill unless you accept John Ross into that rule. But that means that you have to make sure your offense fits those players and you don't just cram them into a system that doesn't work. It sounds like they're taking the ingredients for success from teams that will fit them in the future and hope that Joe Burrow becomes a coveted quarterback like Patrick Mahomes in the future. Coming up next, I'll dive into your questions in the weekend mailbag. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, a fantastic website for all of the auto parts you could really ever need. And my favorite thing about it is that you don't have to spend as much as you would spend at a chain store or, or especially at a car dealership. For example, if you need a Delphi FG 1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey, you might go to Advanced Auto Parts and see a price tag of $354. RockAuto.com, $217. That's quite a bit of savings if you ask me. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and for do-it-yourselfers like you. So if you want to get the best price, 
and really anything you could ever need for your vehicle, including body auto parts, head over to rockauto.com, right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, folks, let's get into that weekend mailbag. We're going to start with a question from Sean Stahl. Sean asks, it seems like the Bengals like Hakeem Adeniji as a tackle from recent comments from Bengals coaches. Is there a possibility that he is the right tackle of the future and not Fred Johnson? Johnson also has experience at guard, so they give us some versatile pieces. I think the first thing to do here is to issue a statement of caution for Hakeem Adeniji and really for Fred Johnson too, because both guys were either late round picks or undrafted players. Fred Johnson obviously didn't stick around in Pittsburgh on the roster, so the Bengals had the opportunity to sign him. I don't think that Fred Johnson projects very well, in my opinion, to the inside based on his strengths and weaknesses, but there's a chance, there's always a chance that he can play better in there than I think he can I just think that his movement ability and his length will play better outside than inside, where I think it would be easier for some of the interior players in the league that are really good at pass rushing to get underneath and to drive him backwards. Adenogy, though, I do see as a versatile piece. I think that he can play four out of the five offensive line positions. And the question is, how good can he be at those positions? Jim Turner seems to love Hakeem Adeniji and has compared his mentality and his approach to the game to Jonah Williams, has compared his intangibles, his character to Jonah Williams, and everyone is expecting Jonah Williams to be great. The difference is Jonah Williams was good in college and Hakeem Adeniji played for Kansas. So is there a chance for Hakeem Adeniji? Sure. But I think if you're expecting him to be the right tackle of the future, remember or try to remember, rather, who the Bengals have drafted in the sixth round in the last 10 years. And in case you can't remember, I've pulled it up for you. So last year it was Travion Williams, Deshaun Davis, and Rodney Anderson. Williams is probably the third running back on the team right now. Deshaun Davis didn't make the team last year. And Rodney Anderson was a lottery ticket who had an ACL injury, which is what he dealt with in college. Didn't have a six-round pick in 2018, but in 2019 it was Jordan Evans and Brandon Wilson. Both of those guys are still contributors. Brandon Wilson was drafted as a running back before making the transition to special teamer and safety. But in the fifth round, they picked J.J. Dealman, a center, who is no longer around. In 2016 was Cody Core. In 2015 was Deron Smith. In 2014 was Marquise Flowers. In 2013, Kobe Hamilton, Rex Burkhead. So a number of successful players here, but none of them on the offensive line. The late round offensive lineman Tanner Hawkinson in the fifth round in 2013. Reed Fragel in the seventh round in 2013. We already talked about J.J. Dealman, Christian Westerman, just a bunch of guys that haven't worked out. In fact, generally, 
if you look at offensive linemen the Bengals have drafted in the last 10 years, I have a very hard time finding any that have worked out. Now you have a new offensive line coach, and maybe that means Hakeem Adeniji will be the guy. But I think that expecting him to be the right tackle of the future is expecting too much of a late round pick. Next question comes from Greg Luther at Gregor09, and he asks, is there any chance that fans will be allowed at training camp? I don't really know. Right now, I would say it seems very unlikely considering they're talking about cutting the preseason back. But at the same time, if the Bengals are just holding training camp in Paul Brown Stadium, which they certainly could, that's a big space that they could spread people out in. And it's possible, possible, that they could do fair social distancing, physical distancing within the stadium and let people watch practice from afar. What you won't get this year at training camp, I think, regardless of whether there are fans there or not, even if you're there, you're not going to get the same kind of player interaction that you used to get. They're not going to let players down to the first row, holding things over the wall to get players to sign. You're not going to have that player interaction I don't think that you used to get it. And if you do, maybe you'll have like a distant conversation kind of thing, right? Because they're really trying to protect the players. Along the same vein, uh, the beat writers that I've talked to are very skeptical that they'll have any access in person to the players this year. So I have a hard time seeing fans being allowed at training camp, but I can also see a world where you can do it safely and you just will lose some of the interaction that maybe you had before. Next question comes from Kasha. She asks... Have your win-loss predictions for the season changed because of the way this offseason has looked? And for me, it hasn't. I think that everyone is on an equal playing field here. I guess the one thing I could do to make my answer here a little bit less lazy is go look at the teams of Bengals play that have first-year head coaches this year. And I think that the Bengals might have a little bit of a leg up in those situations because imagine being a first-time head coach this year in this kind of offseason. I don't know that off the top of my head. I'm trying to think through the crossovers that we did for any teams that have coaches in their first year, and I'm struggling actually to come up with any. So maybe that's just not an issue for the Bengals this year either way. Regardless, I think that the equal playing field means that the win-loss record for me, the prediction doesn't change. If anything, it might get a little bit worse because of the lost reps for Joe Burrow and the learning curve that exists for rookie quarterbacks in the NFL, regardless of how good they are. But for me, I choose to not go down that path yet. So I'm going to say win-loss prediction hasn't changed. I'm still somewhere around five to seven wins as the most likely outcome. Next question comes from David Wiesenhut. He asks, who am I the most anxious to see at training camp other than Joe Burrow? And for me, this answer is a pretty clear A.J. Green, I want to see him get through the offseason and get into the season healthy. We haven't seen him for a long time. And watching him catch passes from Joe Burrow is going to be very, very nice. And I, I really look forward to that. Another question here about the offseason. Canadian Bengals fan asks, How do you see this new format affecting undrafted free agents and late round picks making the team? It can't be helpful for them. I think that that's partially true. On the other hand, I think that we might see some interesting one-year-only roster rules where they expand things because a lot of teams are reports today that say they won't carry 90 players into camp in the first place because if you only have two preseason games and a shortened offseason, potentially a shortened camp, potentially, which I'm not sure if that's in the rumors yet or not, 
but it's certainly a possibility. Although, again, another report today said players will show up, rookies will show up July 19th to get their COVID tests a day or two before conditioning starts for rookies. I think that it can't be good for undrafted free agents to not have had the rookie camps to have a chance to separate themselves from other undrafted free agents. And the Bengals currently don't have a full roster, but it'll be interesting to see if the NFL develops any changes to roster rules this year to accommodate the weird offseason we're having. Next question comes from Duder the Rocky Mountain Who Day, who I first want to congratulate for throwing a hole-in-one at disc golf. I mentioned on Twitter a couple weeks ago that I threw my first hole-in-one at my local disc golf course, and he let me know this week I think he had his first hole-in-one of his disc golf career. So congratulations, Duder, for your Rocky Mountain hole-in-one. If you had to choose one of the rookie linebackers to start next season, assuming they're healthy, who do you take? It's going to be the highest drafted linebacker and the oldest linebacker and the one that's probably the most versatile linebacker, and that's Logan Wilson. And I think that that's a pretty clear answer. Right now, I think Akeem Davis-Gaither is more of a, a sub-package player. I think that he's situationally useful as a pass rusher, as a QB spy, in covered situations, but I don't think the Bengals are going to feel very comfortable having him out there as an every-down linebacker, at least at the start of his career. The other rookie, of course, could be very good in Marcus Bailey, but I'm never going to project a seventh-round pick to be a starter, at least be a starter over two guys drafted ahead of him in a draft when the Bengals selected three linebackers. So it's, for me, easily Logan Wilson going away, a lot of space between him and the next guy. But Akeem Davis-Gaither, I suppose, could surprise if he comes into camp, has added some weight, shows that he can play every down, especially early downs and isn't just a passing down player. We have a lot more questions to get to, including I solicited a question from former Locked On Bengals host Joe Goodberry. We're coming up to that one here in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's keep that mailbag going. We're going to start the third segment of the show with a question from Joe Goodberry. Joe Goodberry asked me today when I asked him if he had any questions from the mailbag, we're expecting multiple players to perform better in 2020, but which player is likely to perform worse than they did in 2019. I find this question to be challenging, and there are a few answers that jump out. One is Geno Atkins is a guy who could continue to suffer the effects of aging and age-related regression late in his career on the other side of 30. We started to see it last year, and they could protect him a little bit, and the addition of DJ Reader could help with this, could mitigate this. But that's one candidate for a player who could perform worse in 2019 or in 2020 than in 2019. Another one is the other veteran on the defensive line. Carlos Dunlap had a fantastic finish to the year. And if he starts to feel the effects of age 
he could see a little bit of decline in 2020. It wouldn't shock me considering how well he played to finish the season. The guy I really want to answer this question with, though, is not a guy that played in 2019. I want to cheat a little bit and say the guy that will not be better or will maybe not live up to expectations, even though that's not what Joe asked, is A.J. Green. A.J. Green is a year and a half removed from playing in the NFL, and in that time, all he's done is rehab and age. And I still think A.J. Green will be a very, very good player, but we started seeing the signs of age before the last time A.J. Green got hurt. So, while I still think he'll be an effective high-level wide receiver in the NFL, we could start to see him being a little bit less dominant than he used to be. And I hope I'm wrong about this. And if I am wrong about this, fantastic. But from a purely probabilistic perspective or approach to this question, the guy that's been away from the game, the guy that's been hurt, the guy that's on the wrong side of the aging curve has has been the trend for all these questions, right? I think that there's a chance that we see some noticeable regression in A.J. Green this year, and the fact that they can surround him with the T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, and Auden Tate, the fact that they have that depth, probably more important this year than it's been before. The other mitigating factor here is you have a new quarterback, and it's a quarterback that might not be forced to throw the ball to A.J. Green the way Andy Dalton did. Joe Burrow might not feel that same connection. He might not feel that same pressure to just chuck it up to A.J. and hope he makes a play. He didn't really have much of a tendency to just throw it up in a prayer to his best receiver, who was probably jamar chase down at lsu but instead seemed to find the right guy to go to on every play so there are a number of reasons i think that aj green might not have the kind of production the 1200 yards and eight touchdowns and 80 catches that we're used to from him but i still think he'll be pretty good thank you joe for the question we'll hopefully get you on the show to have a word about the bengals once we have some games to talk about see how you're living your life for anybody that's curious joe did tell me that he has been enjoying all of his free time is getting into some new hobbies has started doing some do-it-yourself auto repair at home which is great because of course we're sponsored right now by rock auto and i'm sure he's taking advantage of that but our next question comes from tyler hudnell he asks with larry warford still being a free agent or colin kaepernick for that matter is there any hope that the bengals will make a move I think I talked earlier this week about why I think it's unlikely that Larry Warford will be signed by the Bengals. Jim Turner has had a lot of airtime lately, and in that airtime, he has made it very clear how comfortable he is with the offensive line and the depth that he believes they have there. I think that that means Larry Warford is unlikely. That's coming from the Bengals Booth podcast, his comments to Dan Horde when Horde asked him, hey, are you looking at the free agents out there in case somebody gets hurt or in case the money works out or whatever it is? And Jim Turner kind of said no. So I don't think Warford's likely. I don't think Kaepernick is likely either. The way they've talked about the quarterbacks they have with Dolagala and Finley, who they acquired both of those guys last year. So if we see a move, I think it'll be closer to the beginning of the season. We'll see a waiver scoop or something like that. But I don't see a prominent FA free agent being brought in. Next question comes from Greg Borchers. This is a fun one. We're going away from football here a little bit. He asks, what are your opinions on grill-out condiments for hot dogs and burgers? 
And I told him that my answer is going to upset some people. So I apologize if I offend your delicate food sensibilities and your tastes. But let's start with just burgers, right? I'm a very simple burger guy. I'm going to have my, my burger with some cheese on it, a nice sharp cheddar cheese, ideally. I'm a big cheddar cheese fan. And I'm going to put like a piece of lettuce, like a nice crisp piece of lettuce on it, nice and cold. And I'm going to put a tomato on it and I'm going to put some, some mayo and some ketchup on it. I'm not a mustard guy. I do like mustard like in other settings, but I don't like mustard as much. You know, yellow mustard on a burger, not for me. Dijon mustard maybe mixed with a little bit of wine, cooked on some chicken with some Parmesan on it. That'll do it for me, right? But this isn't a food podcast. I'm not going to get too far into the foods that I enjoy cooking, but I will continue to answer the question with uh, the other bit here that I want to talk about that, that's fun for me to talk about is, is uh, smoked foods, barbecue, right? Like your, your, your ribs or your pulled pork. Because here's my thing there. I'm not a sweet barbecue sauce guy. My favorite barbecue sauce is like the South Carolina style, the mustardy vinegary stuff. So I don't like mustard on my, on my burgers, but I do like it on my barbecue sauces with that vinegar, that savory sauce. I don't like the sweet sauces as much. The other thing is I like dry rubs more than I like sauces. So take that for what you will. Uh, hopefully, if you really like mustard on your burger or if you really don't like mayo on your burger you know, forgive me. I also eat avocado and bacon on burgers. So I don't know, man, judge me however you want. I'm putting it all out there for you guys today. Let's get back to a football question here, though, from Kevin Brown. How worried do we need to be that our rookie quarterback is going to start the season with so little prep because of COVID precautions? I think that there will be a little bit more of a learning curve than you would necessarily expect for Joe Burrow. But by all accounts, from Brian Callahan, from Jim Turner, from every single Bengals player or coach that has been asked, how's Joe Burrow doing? He's doing great. He's ahead of the curve. He's understanding what's going on. And yeah, they haven't had the physical reps. But if any guy's going to do it, I just feel like Joe Burrow's work ethic, everything we've heard about Joe Burrow's work ethic is he's probably going to be okay. And if your expectations are sky high, yeah, you might be disappointed because he is still a rookie quarterback. But I, I think that he's going to be okay. Last question today comes from Chaos MMA on Twitter. Would you concede that we live in a simulation if it meant the Bengals win the Super Bowl this season? Really get metaphysical here. I would like for the Bengals to win a Super Bowl. That would be a lot of fun for me. That would be very good for this podcast. So, you know, uh, sure. I, I would concede that we live in a simulation if it meant the Bengals win the Super Bowl this season. I mean, does that become causal, though? Like, if I become aware that I'm in a simulation, and we're all in a simulation, maybe, that then the Bengals will win because, you know, I'm, I don't know. Is there some sort of, is there some sort of loophole we're trying to exploit here? I don't know, man. Uh, I also don't think that, like, realistically, it makes any difference if we're living in a simulation. But I've gotten way off track. We're way far away from football. So we will do one last question about football. Dalton Andrew asks, Sam Hubbard in the 2018 season had six sacks. In the 19 season, he had eight and a half sacks. Does Hubbard continue to improve and end the season with 10 plus sacks? I have been amongst the crowd that thinks that 2019 is likely his peak 
sack performance, I don't think that it necessarily continues to go up. If you dig into stuff like his pass rush win rate or his pass rush productivity, both from Pro Football Focus or ESPN does a pass rush win rate, win rate as well. He, he doesn't rank very highly in those categories. A lot of his sacks are of the effort and of the cleanup variety. And while those are important, they're not necessarily repeatable. They're not predictive from year to year. His pass rush productivity does not match necessarily a 10 sack player. Now, if he does it, great. Maybe he improves. In the third year, you could see a little bit of improvement from Sam Hubbard, who is fairly athletic. He tested really well. So there's a chance that he continues to get better. But I also wouldn't be surprised and don't think that others should be surprised if he's a little maxed out and if that trend is a little bit deceiving. I still think Sam Hubbard is a really good player. Don't get me wrong here. I've had people get in my mentions and say, what's it going to take for us to convince Jake that Sam Hubbard's, you know, the real deal? And he, he is. He's a good football player. But if you're expecting him to be a premier pass rusher, I would just say that let that be exceeding expectations. Let's not make that the expectation for Sam Hubbard in 2020 and beyond. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We are into July, potentially just about two, three weeks away from training camp and players starting to return to Cincinnati. We'll have to keep an eye on how that goes with COVID in the United States. Until next week, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.